Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Vents. This is Fed Weekly. A collaboration between Vice and Brent 2020. London Borough of Culture. Let's get a cracking. Sabrina. Santos. Amelia. Nuruddine. Vent Weekly. And we are all back in the virtual studio because unfortunately, this is our last ever episode. No, actually, I just feel, I feel weird, man. It's oh, like it crazy time flies, like yeah. from the whole start. The first ever episode we did, the whole process, like, all working together and, mm. like, talking about things that, you know, we care about and even things that are, are just fun to us. Trust. Mm. And also how easy it was for all of us to come together and, like, make connections. Yeah. Mm. And even though COVID, you know, has us in this virtual studio, like, we've mm. still been able to be, like, productive and mm-hmm. work yeah. through it and... You know, just found ways to make it work. Yeah, exactly. I feel like this hasn't even synced in. Like, does it actually feel like the last episode? No, no, nah, not it at all. It doesn't feel like it. Not at all. So, for this last episode, we've decided to share some of our favorite moments from this past year. We've all chosen two clips each, and Amelia, you're up first. Okay, so I wanted to start by giving a shout out to one of our very first episodes because we've been telling it like it is from the very beginning. This is a clip from episode two of Vent Weekly where we discuss lip fillers with Vice's Hannah Ewens. And they were the ones who was telling us that like, oh, your lips are too big and your nose looks like this and your eyes look like that. And it's like, but all you guys are trying to do the same thing and it just... I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know if it was the same within your community as well. Okay, so I'm Asian and I have smaller eyes. I just feel like when we were growing up, especially, for example, in my experience with, like, light-skinned girls in my secondary school, if they had smaller eyes, they would never get made fun of. They would seem as looking exotic. like racially ambiguous. Mm. Oh, I hear that so much, racially ambiguous. Like, like even in clubs, like, these perverted guys, they'll come up to you like, oh, it's like... They don't, want, they don't want to know where you're from, but they're just like, oh, you just look exotic. You look so nice. And I never got that from my, from my eyes. I got that as, oh, like, you just look this little Asian chick. And I like, can you see? Can you even see? Like, I used to get things like that. Whereas these girls are like, oh, you're exotic. You're nice. And it's, it, it is a bit of an awful feeling to just think, on me, it doesn't look nice, but on her, it's yeah. attractive. And it's just, it just kind of ties into the racial kind of privileges that people have, that they can pull off looks from other races. So you're kind of picking the best bits of each race and you're putting it on yourself, almost like almost like a Frankenstein kind of situation. Like, you know, you're taking bits of people and you're creating a, a whole new human and you're being admired for it. It's so weird hearing yourself back. Nah, you were actually spitting from the start. And I feel like it's so mad because from episode two, you're already talking about things so, Some like, real frankly. Stuff. Mm. 
some that real was stunning. real because we grew up with that like what Sapuni was yeah. saying I remember that whole conversation so clearly like it's so true that like, what, what people went through in school like how Asian people got treated and how like even um black people like black girls are kind of monetized off like having Asian features yeah. and kind of it would make them feel like they're like exotic or whatever yeah and stuff even though we had our own battles when it came to like colorism and like, stuff like that it still seemed yeah. like people played into like using other people's features and stuff but then still being rude to them like mm-hmm. definitely and i liked what you said amelia because from the beginning like we've just been saying it how it is but i remember yeah. like before we even done the episode because it was off i think it was our first one that we done well, the first yeah, time I yeah, and I was just hella nervous. Oh, I was so nervous. <laughs> so, and then to think that, like, when I was listening to myself, I sounded so confident. I was speaking how it yeah, is. It's just, true. it's crazy. <laughs> so, Sabrina, you're up next. What's your first clip? So, it's another one that we hosted together, and we had such an amazing discussion on the meaning of the term intersectionality with Stephanie Davis and Zing Singh. That was one of my favourites because you guys know what I'm like. Like I'm the feminist of us lot. Like I'm definitely all yeah. about that. Of course. Like anything like social, political, like I'm there in it. So I mm-hmm. think this was like one of my favourite ones. All right. So here's a little clip from episode 23. They're supposed to be on your side. There's no such thing as one universal experience of being a woman. Which I feel like feminism does kind of try and group that up. Like our experiences are just not the same. Like we even did a podcast not too long ago about this. And like I, we were asked like, oh, we're feminists. And I was like, yeah, I, well, I have feminist ideologies for sure. But until we can actually include the experiences of everyone, then I don't know if I'm going to class myself as a feminist or not. Because not every situation is black and white. It's very different for black women or for minority ethnic women as than it is for white women because they're just in a position of privilege that we just have not experienced in most cases. So that privilege just, just allows them to live like an easier, smoother life in the world of work, in relationships and like any aspects of life whereas for us it's a lot more difficult mm-hmm. so yeah no i agree and, um why do you think that understanding this term is so important because um we're speaking about feminists who are for example of an ethnic background but what about maybe people who are gay and from an ethnic background so there's different types of intersectionality and why is that so important to understand well i, I think for such a long time we've had we've had ideas about like, dominant narratives so that there's only one kind of universal experience so if you're gay it's a white gay experience if you're a woman it's a white woman's experience oh my gosh i love that one you were spitting facts as well on fire I'm not gonna lie. You're on fire. the fire emojis right now. Let me just say, I love my radio voice. Like, I like how I sound when I listen back. You to... have a really good, like, podcast voice. Like, even my mm. sister was like, when she hears you, it's so soothing. You know, it is. It's gripping. It's gripping. <laughs> You're gonna actually hate you. Nah, <laughs> gripping. I, serious, like, y- y- you are taken in by the first word that you say in it because oh, mm. you get, like, you've set the tone. You sit like you know what you're about to speak about. You don't waffle. You don't like say exactly. this and that. You just you just go straight for it. And when you're speaking about how fem- everyone's sorry, everyone's experience isn't the same. It's not black and white. You can't call yourself a feminist up until that. Real, mm-hmm. real shit. Yeah, real I mean, shit. but yeah. even then, Sabrina made an even better point, really, because I was kind of just speaking about women. Sabrina spoke about people of the gay community, like the LGBTQ mm. community as well, like. 
the, it, yeah. intersectionality is so wide like I feel like you kind of where I kind of missed out was I was speaking a lot about women where Sabrina would kind of make the point of including everybody as well which is something that yeah. even when having that discussion you like you need people like Sabrina on there because she kind of like remind you of like Brings to cover back. the whole thing I've yeah because yeah. no, yeah, because identity is not as straightforward as people think it is like you're exactly. a male and you're like this ethnicity and you're straight like it's just not straightforward like that and i think sometimes we're categorized into one mm-hmm. group and then yeah. when we're in that one group we might feel left out like everybody feels this way but it's never spoken about very important subject that one So, Nuruddin, you're up next. What episode was your favourite? So, one of my favourites was when we got fellow Brentoni and Hashim Muhammad onto the show to speak about success and how success is more subjective mm. than we think. So, what was important about this episode for you, Nuruddin? So, as you all know, I'm Somali and so is Hashi. And his achievements, becoming a barrister, going to Oxford, being part of the number five chamber, like, mm. it's such, such a big achievement for him and... I say for the Somali community as well. Oh, wow. When I was younger, my mum used to go to his talks. Like she used to take me to his talks in Brent and stuff. Aww. And little did she know, how many years, 10 years down the line. That, that he was going to be this guy. Yeah, that, that he'd be this guy. And also that I'd be on a podcast, on a podcast with him. Mm. You get like talk, talking, talking to him about life. And he's talking to me about me and how he knows about my piano. Mm. So, oh, my God. Mm, like stuff, yeah. stuff wasn't adding up. I, I, I didn't know how to feel at the time. but yeah, I so could tell just... by your face because I hosted this with you. And just seeing yeah. like your relationship and you even speaking to him and your eyes lighting up. Mm. I was like, oh, my God, oh, this so moment so... is so magical. I was, I was just over the moon. I was absolutely mm. ecstatic. And by the way, um, he's so funny as well. Like, he's one of <laughs> the most funniest people I've ever met. Yeah, he was so funny. Sometimes you get the impression, like, if you're a barrister and stuff, the job career that you do, you might be, you know, yeah, a little boring or whatever. Yeah. But he was nah, so bro, funny. As a Brentonian, you, you, you've got that inbred banter, man. I promise it's you. True. <laughs> you. It's built in you. So here's a clip from episode 34. GTSCs don't define your educational life. When you started taking your education a bit more seriously, did you feel as if you took your enunciation more seriously or when did that come around? Good question. So the the, the language you mean or yeah. and the way you speak. Yeah. I think that came very much in the undergraduate degree for sure. And then that then became even more when I got to Oxford. Do you feel as if you had to make the change yourself or it was naturally given the change that in your voice? I don't see myself as somebody who has for example deliberately changed his accent in order to be able to get on i haven't uh, taken elocution lessons or i haven't sort of sought to change how i behave based on whether or not i'm going to be successful but what i have understood and uh, acted upon very early on is that depending on how you speak and how you communicate you can get things done and the way you speak in a courtroom is not going to be the same as the way you speak when you're at home. The, the British class system is something that is so obsessed with accents and people add value judgments based on how you speak and as to whether or not they want to listen to you. But crucially, speaking a certain way can only be associated with being white. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What episode have you chosen, Santos? So the first clip I chose was a conversation I had with Vice Associate Editor Ryan Basso and music journalist Abu Bakr Finnan about the influence of apps like TikTok on the music industry. Alright, so here's a clip from Vent Weekly, episode 41. I feel like there is like a bit of an art to uh, getting that like message across in 15 seconds as well though and having it smash and do really well. But I just think there is some kind of like talented quality as well to being able to write something like that and put it across in in such a short amount of time otherwise mm. everyone would be everyone doing a 15 second song would be blowing mm-hmm. like blowing I agree. do you know what i mean i i kind of agree with that ryan but also some of the songs aren't actually good but the reason why they blow is because they're they, they are the reason why they blow is because of these challenges mm. and if the challenges yeah. work because the way tiktok works is if you have a, a TikTok with a song that has millions of views, that song won't blow. The, the formula of TikTok is lots of people need to do it. And that's why challenges are sort of like arise. Why do you like that one? Just from that clip of that conversation, it really makes you think about how it doesn't only influence the way people consume music, but it influences the way people make music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These days, people are making music to have a 15 second part of the song that's the best part of the song that's gonna be known for but it's like i'm pretty sure when we listen to music it's because we like the song as a whole we're not gonna listen to a song for 15 seconds do you as the listener would find places that would be the best part of the song rather than the artist making that part the exact best you find your own parts bro you don't you don't (laughs) you don't need the artist to make you a section exactly you have like your your favorite lines that you yeah. relate to, or you're like, oh, that punchline was cold. Cold, yeah. Or do you get what I'm saying? But these mm. times they they're already planning. All right, so they this, planned that ahead, bro. this they part planned of the song is gonna be the most catchiest bit, and like, cool, yeah. In a sense, it is like a talent. Let's yeah. say it's a skill, but at, at the same time, my whole thing is is you know the influence that music has and because music is is so powerful and that's something that i've learned every day of my life since i was 12 and i understand the impact music has had on me and the impact my music has had on other people amelia your second clip is from a bonus mini series we set up as part of vent weekly yeah so in response to the covid19 pandemic we set up this new series called covid19 fact checkers where we got other young people from Brent to phone in with their questions around COVID-19. Then we invited on journalists and experts who could help answer their questions. So what did you learn during the series? Well, because I kind of wasn't really trying to engage too much with what was going on with the pandemic because I found it like Mm -hmm. overwhelming. I can't lie, like doing this series for me, I thought was a challenge that I wanted to accept in it. So I was like, cool, let me just actually like try and be educated on what's going on without like feeling overwhelmed because I'm having like, you know, calm and collected, you know, conversations with people who are educated on the matters. So for me, it kind of put my mind at ease. Um, I learned about a lot. I learned about conspiracy theories. I learned about how how the press has covered stuff to do with the pandemic and everything. 
all in all, it's just been like a really insightful look at the pandemic as a whole because it's kind of like lifted the veil mm. on a Definitely. lot of issues yeah, yeah. the 100%. government 100%. in the UK has. Like which episode from that series are you sharing today? Well, actually, I'm sharing an episode where the guest is Sabrina. Sabrina called in and asked why black and brown people have been hit worse by COVID-19 than white people. So I invited science journalist Lyle Liverpool and epidemiologist Professor Nishi Chattavidi onto the show to get us some answers. The first voice you'll hear is Leal's. I have seen a lot of discussion about um, black, Asian, minority ethnic groups being Mm -hmm. genetically predisposed to certain conditions that might put them at a higher risk of severe COVID-19. And obviously I'm not a geneticist, but I would definitely say that while genetic factors might play a role here, Mm -hmm. I think it is important, as as Nish said, to look at the bigger picture, like socioeconomic status, less ability to work from home, exposure to air pollution, unconscious bias, discrimination, so all Mm -hmm. the things we've been talking about. And I think that those things will interact in a, in a complicated way um, to produce the, the effects that we're seeing. And just to add to, to that, people rather lazily talk about genes as the explanation. And ethnicity is not biology. Exactly, it's, yeah. It's, it's a very poor proxy for that. So exactly. some genes may be more frequent in some groups more than others. But it's not to say that everyone who is black has got this gene mm-hmm. that predisposes them to this disease. Yeah. And, and I think Lyle's saying the same thing too, that let's get away from that. There are a whole load of other factors that we can deal with immediately. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's also just saying something is just due to genes kind of excuses oh, us, yeah, doesn't it? 100%, yeah. It's like, oh, well, you, you were born like that. And unfortunately, there's nothing it, yeah. you can do then. That was a little clip from Vent Weekly, episode 24, COVID-19 Fact Checkers 2. The virus does discriminate. It was such a passionate conversation to have because people were saying that it's because of our genes, like ethnic minorities' genes, and Some, that's yeah. yeah, and that's that was why. Like the argument mm. back then, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. and that's why we're dying, and and that's why we're affected the most. When it was so much other things, and it's so weird because a week after we done this podcast, I found out that my mom had COVID. Damn. And yeah, so mm-hmm. she had it at the start of lockdown, which was in March, but she kept calling the hospital, and she called one 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 she did everything and they basically told her to stay at home so then when the antibody tests start coming out my mom's like i have to get it done because she just needs to know for like clarity of her mind mm-hmm. yeah. then when she took the antibody test it's confirmed like she had it and it was yeah I same with my mom same literally last week my mom was telling me she done mm-hmm. her antibody test and she had covid as well for me like covid covid kind of affected a lot of people in my family like two people were hospitalized and my mom was like sick for about a month so when I hear stuff about like how the medical system treats people of a minority ethnicity, like people have been told like, oh, if your mum or your family member's turning blue in the face, then you can send them to hospital. But if I'm black, I can't turn blue. So already there's mm. like negligence to people who are not of a white, of who are not white basically. And it just makes me really angry because I think about the fact that I probably could have lost like three people in my family. Like for me, it's just quite like upsetting. So I think that conversation mm-hmm. was really good to have. So, Sabrina, you're up next. Yes, so there was a couple of times this year when we converted Vent Weekly to Vent Daily. We'd release one episode per day for a whole week, all based on one theme. And one of our Vent Daily series was all about family. This was definitely one of my favourite series out of the whole project. You made an episode with me about NetHop. Could you just tell us a bit more about why that is so special to you? 
Yeah, so as I've said in probably every single podcast, I'm proud to be Nepalese. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I shout that to my lungs that I'm Nepali. And I'm passionate about music as well. And just having those two things in one podcast just really made me happy. Mm. And then on top of that, to yeah. have my uncle on the podcast... And he used to be a Nepop rapper for like Emilio Nudin, he doesn't know, but he used to be a Nepop mm-hmm. rapper. By the way, Nepop means like Nepalese hip hop. Nepali hip hop. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. just in case. Yeah, 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 but yeah. Um, yeah, so he <laughs> was such a good rapper and he was a big, big person in our Nepalese community. But then as he got older, he became a graphic designer and now he has kids. So he's like a family oh, man wow. and he just left yeah. that passion aside. So oh. I feel like him being on the podcast just rekindled that excitement for what he yeah had. he was able to relive it yeah and i got to see it <laughs> and like family and culture is the probably the most two important things in my life and mm-hmm. i got to speak about that in a podcast so how how can this not be one of my favorites yeah, yeah. not for you that's you so can see the happiness in your voice when you speak about it <laughs> literally well. even, even now, even now when you talk about it like <laughs> for real yeah all right here we go this is a clip from episode 52 sabrina and mr casey My name is Omesh. I am a creative lead designer by profession. And I used to go by the name of Mr. Casey, a.k.a. your Nepali boy. We've also invited journalist and fellow Nepali, Arun Budatoki on, who is dialing in from Kathmandu to talk about Nephop. Could you introduce yourself? So I'm Arun Budathoke and I'm a freelance journalist based in Kathmandu, Nepal. And I've been writing about uh, Nepalese hip-hop for several international outlets, including Vice. That's why I'm here today. Umesh, how did you, like, get into it? How did you first start getting into Nepop? Like, when did you start listening to it and who were you listening to? Originally, I used to be a garage MC. I used to be all right. Yeah. I used to be all right. I used to MC in nightclubs around London. Um, I had my little crew. And then that all stopped because I had to concentrate on my nine to five, really. And then um, later on, a family member, name of Pukar, he would send me videos of Nepalese rappers. Nepop didn't really have an identity. What was happening at the time that I got introduced to it was they were taking folk songs, like traditional Nepalese folk songs, remixing it and putting a trash MC on it <laughs> that would try to rap in English, but this had the really strong Nepalese accent, and it was just terrible. So Pokar would send me these videos, and we would listen to him, and we would just be laughing, thinking, what was, what's going on here? Like, mm. You know, what's happening here? Is this what Nepalese rap music's all about? That's how I got introduced to it. The reason why I started doing it was I can't let this trash music mm-hmm. influence the younger generation. I can't let them grow up to think, you know, this is this is a type of music that we can produce. And I thought, okay, I'm not the best rapper out there. I'm, mm. I'm a garage MC. It's, it's a different, yeah. as you know. Um, and I thought, look, I could do a whole lot better than what's going on at the moment. So I added my spin on it. I wanted to show my nieces and nephews. I wanted to show them, look, man, mm-hmm. Nepalese people got talent out there. It's not this mad remix stuff that's going on at the mm. moment. So that was the sole purpose for me to get involved into Nepal. Wait, 
Wait, guys, let me just tell you, when I still hear my uncle's music, I still low-key get embarrassed. Like, I'm that's just like, bop. oh, my God. That's a nah, whole, he's a that's bop a whole still. I can't lie. I was feeling all yeah, there. Yeah, but my uncle's talking about getting girls and, like, whining on girls. I don't want to hear... I don't want to hear that. All right, there's still people out there in the world that will relate to yeah. that. Uh, and so still rap about cringy. that, but people will listen to that and relate to but it. But Mr. KC is no longer Mr. KC. He was Mr. KC once, do you get it? And that, that was the period. But I can't lie. He still, he still refers to himself as... <laughs> Mr. KC, like he's yeah. now he's just back to normal life. Does it's he? Like he lived a life, and now he's a graphic designer. But I still feel like within within like the Nepalese community and that some people might pull up on him. Like, hey, hey, Mr. Hey, KC, yeah. can I get a yeah, he's still recognised. Yeah. He's a he's a married man now with two kids, <laughs> and still sometimes people can't oh. be like, oh, Mr. Oh. KC. That's the life of a rapper, isn't it? Nah, but honestly, I respect to Mr. KC, man. Even though I didn't get to meet him, I know Santos done the episode with you. Yeah, yeah I, I wish I, I did. I wish I was honestly. on that episode because as a music producer, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I would have dropped the slide. What you still need beats? That like, I would have dropped it to him. <laughs> but then again, like he is living a lifestyle of a of a family man now. Like, yeah, exactly. And, and exactly. It's, he's still very very wise, bro. Like all of go. the things he learned through the the music industry and stuff. Like exactly. he dropped hella gems that obviously like I took on mm. board and stuff and just hearing about a part of the industry that I never even knew of like it just reminded yeah. me that the music industry is mm. like it's huge, limitless bro. it's endless yeah. like it's huge isn't it yeah damn so Nuruddin you also picked event daily episode for your second clip yeah but from a different series we released one episode a day for mental health awareness week back in May I hosted an episode with Sabrina about loneliness within young people with guest Molly Bird It's very taboo to be speaking about it amongst young people. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. There's a massive stigma um, in saying that you're lonely. I think, and I'd like to know your thoughts on this as well, but I think it kind of goes against societal expectations of being a young person. Uh, I think we're told to kind of have like a thriving social life, to be surrounded by lots of friends. So kind of saying, actually, I'm feeling lonely at the moment is kind of going against that societal expectation. And I think that's um, potentially factor adding to the stigma um definitely what are your kind of thoughts on it i definitely feel the same because when i was at uni obviously i had my home friends and we all went to different unis so my friends would be like in bristol leicester coventry and they were all having the time of their life and i could see from like their snaps and everything and i wouldn't really speak about it much with my friends maybe because they were having such a good time i maybe did feel a sense of like oh like maybe embarrassment and just feeling like oh my god like they're having such a good time like I should be as well speaking to Molly and having that conversation with Sabrina there as well was really really good because we both went to uni um, outside London and we both had to travel and we both had had friends in different unis in London so I I know all of us would have been able to speak very well about this episode but shout out Sabrina man because you were actually my you are a rock during that conversation still. If I didn't if I didn't if I didn't have anyone else there while speaking to Molly, yeah, I might, I might shed a young tear. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Bro, just talking about men crying leads us on to the next episode that we hosted in the same series, which is about toxic masculinity and mental health. And we had the pleasure to speak with Jordan Dunbar and Ben Hurst about it. Yes. Alright, so here's a clip from episode twenty nine from Vent Daily Masculinity. Yeah. But you see, through my experience now, uh, when I was about 12, my dad actually had a nervous breakdown and he became schizophrenic. So 
Mm. To now, like at 12 as well, to be like, oh, my super dad's not like, you know, like there's kryptonite around now. So he's he's no longer got his superpowers. Seeing him have to rebuild himself over the years, it's like a whole roller coaster. And I've kind of had to look at the positive aspects of it, which is difficult. It's so difficult in a negative situation to kind of say, you know what, I'll accept the negative, but I'm only going to pay attention to the positive and just through those kind of experiences are kind of how i now deal with myself and mold the way i just think about things and the way i perceive things and see things santos do you feel like one positive thing that's come out of this because you you and your dad you're empathetic to your mates because you've had first-hand experience of what mental health can be like when it's bad yeah I know a lot of the time if I ask like yo bro like what's going on are you okay they're just gonna be like yeah it's calm so for me it's more being a way of like setting an example this episode was so emotional I don't know why this one I I remember I listened to it the first time and I was like oh my god like it was emotional making it especially that section like yeah like even this section specifically like when you spoke about your dad like going to that level of vulnerability um, was so brave because obviously we're literally talking about masculinity and like masculinity. how difficult it is for men to be open. So for you to like do that for everybody it's to hear from me, exactly on a huge platform, like I just thought that was just so commendable because yeah, I don't respect, know if I could. Now for real, I really respect, respect you for that. I can't lie, bro. Respect. Even listening back to it now, like I kind of feel proud of myself in a sense. It's like I'm not allowing my like these things that happen in my life that are out of my control to kind of like hold me back and just see life and and see situations in a different way. I've done that episode and I've listened to it back millions of times, G, but just that exact point where they played right now, what what was just played is probably the most real thing that I've heard across the whole podcast series. Yeah, it's very real. That's things that I went through in life, like like with my father in it. Like I've had my own experiences with like mental health and toxic masculinity I've, I've kind of just had to learn how to how to decide how to think about things and how to not let myself become a product of of negative situations and negative things that aren't in my control deep it Coming to the end of our last episode and I just wanted to ask if anyone had any final words. I want to thank you, Santos. Thank you, Sabrina. Thank you, Amelia, for being um, my co-host on this event weekly journey because I'm not even going to lie, I didn't even know. A year ago today, I didn't know I was going to be hosting a podcast and really intrigued I didn't... I didn't know I'd meet you guys. Well, I've met you, Sabrina, before. And, yeah, we went to school real. and that. But it's cool. Yeah. I didn't know I was going to run back into you in life. But, <laughs> like, the topics we spoke about and, and the, the deepness, the level of deepness that we've gotten to in some episodes, I can't... I don't think I'll be able to find with any other people or, mm. or be able to recreate. Or it's just, It was just a moment. And I would never... I, w- I would never ever forget this moment. I want to give like a big shout out to the producers. We, Jess, Amelia, Kamaya, Ali, like all you man there, all the man there, yeah. Like. The inspiring guests we have, the journalists that we've had. I just want to say a big thank you to them. But I know that us, we're all going to still speak to nah, each other sure. on yeah. this podcast. So you ain't got a goodbye. choice. <laughs> yes. You're going to see me goodbye. in your DMs, like replying to every single one of your stories. Do you get so he's saying Santos, even though the last six months have been online, yeah, we ain't been inside of a studio, 
It doesn't matter. This whole event, this whole event product, it's been the same. Do you get? You know, like being being in 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 that work environment, and you know, being like given a, a new opportunity in new surroundings with new people. It was just so refreshing, and we were all born and bred in in Brent, in it, and London borough of culture, Brent twenty twenty. Like we we got the opportunity to kind of let the world know about us young people from Brent and we weren't given voices because we've always had voices but we were given the platform to to allow our voices to be heard so this is the end for now but please stay subscribed because there might just be more from us in the future thank you so much for listening to Vent Weekly I'm Santos De Silva I'm Amelia Elaine I'm Nuridina Reti and I'm Sabrina Tarpal this episode was produced by the Vent production team Jess Lawson Amelia Gill, Maweed Majid and Ali Adlinson. Vent is a collaboration between Vice and Brent London Borough of Culture 2020. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.